Welcome to the Watermark Students Podcast, a podcast for students featuring students where we discuss the everyday issues of teenage life from a Christian perspective. For more information on Watermark Students, check out watermark.org slash students. We hope that this episode is helpful to you. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Watermark Students Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Will McElroy. Before I even introduce the other co-hosts, I just want to remind you all to scroll around and leave a five-star review, write a comment if you're using Apple Podcasts. And if you don't, if you're not willing to give us a five-star review, then just keep that to yourself, I would say. Uh, But now to introduce my other co-host is I'm joined today with Hannah Spence. What's up, Hannah? Hey. It's good to be here. And then for the first time ever on the Watermark Students podcast is Reed Towns. What's up? What's I up? haven't thought of my catchphrase yet, so I just went with Yeah, that. what What do you do on the students team, Reed? I, uh, I get to help lead uh, the Regeneration for Students program here at Watermark. And what is that? It is a, that's a good question. It's a, it's, a, it's a recovery ministry for students, high school, middle school, going through hurts, habits, or hangups, uh, and just need some biblical uh, counseling through that. Yeah. Let's go. So it's awesome. I love it, man. Reed, good to have you here. And then our student guest is none other than Ali Cisco. What's up, Ali? Hey, how are you? Ali, what school do you go to? I go to JJ Pierce High School. JJ Pierce. And, yes. and that's a JJ Pierce. And you're a junior <laughs> at JJ Pierce. Yes, I am. And we're thrilled to have you. But before we get to our topic today, Reed, he brought a he brought a book with him. I did. I brought a gift that was from my grandmother that she gave to me in college just for my benefit. And what's the title of the book? The the title is, as a gentleman would say, it's Responses to Life's Important Situations. Yes. And something we've been kind of doing this season is what we call etiquette training, which apparently Reed's grandma thought he needed some etiquette training right. back in that's the college not, days. That's not the only book. The other book here is the George Washington's Rules of Civility and Decent Behavior. There we go. <laughs> there we go. So we, we've been studying etiquette, and we want to keep teaching you students uh, about etiquette. And one, one scenario that this book kind of introduced to us is has to do with food and eating food. And the question really is this, is how close do you need to be to someone before you can just unannounced start grabbing food off their plate? That's right. The, the book talks about when a what do you do when a gentleman's date insists on eating from his plate at a fancy restaurant? Yeah. So what's what do you do, Hannah? And Hannah, how, too. I mean, how close, like, how many people in your life do you think you could just eat off their plate? There's probably not many. I think I would still always ask. It's the unannounced part that really throws me. Yeah. Like, like your sister, gonna, would? could you just grab a french fry off her? I would be like, hey, can I have one? But I'd probably be in the process of reaching because mm-hmm. I'm like, you're going to let me. Mm. So I think I'd still ask, so but like I'd a, be comfortable like just eating it. It's like a courtesy ask. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, we're going to eat it, but But I'm you're going to ask about it. Allie, do you have, like your family, could you just grab food off their plate? I would say my three brothers probably because they do the same thing to me. Oh, Depends they where we are, but if we're just chilling at like, what a burger. Yeah, I'll snatch a fry. Yeah, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I've ever just grabbed food off someone's plate. Do you plate. eat off your wife's plate? No, but she eats off of mine, unannounced. Yeah. And but you guys are close. We're kind of close <laughs> like that, I guess. <laughs> but I, I still don't like it, you know. I always, like, nudge my plate away. 
from her mm. when she does it to me. You know what? Gen- yeah, what is read what does the book say we should do? There's a couple responses the book gives you. It says this is what a gentleman does not say. Uh, if you are a gentleman, you, you don't say, "Didn't your mom teach you any manners?" <laughs> or you don't say, "Eat your own food, I don't share," or you are embarrassing me. Dang. You, you don't say these things as wow. a gentleman. That's what I've been telling Allie, my wife. <laughs> you said you're embarrassing me? Yeah, I Allie. said, didn't your mom teach you? <laughs> <laughs> While you nudge your yeah. plate away. <laughs> Here's what a gentleman does say, according to this book, um, which I don't know if I would ever say this. <laughs> I might not be a gentleman, but it says, if you'd like to sample my entree, let's ask the waiter to bring another plate. Okay, so. I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna tell her. <laughs> Apparently, if you'd like to sample my entree, when was this written? This like, is, the 1800s. It's a while ago. It's gentlemen. Uh, I've never used that phrase in sample no, my entree, yeah. but hey, yeah, but we'll apparently. we'll see what <laughs> we'll, we'll try it. But uh, hey, guys. So as usual, we let the we typically let the student pick the topic of the the episode and Allie she came on and said she wanted to talk about grief and just to kind of intro the topic uh I wanted to say we we've talked about Blaine Law last season did an episode on dealing with disappointment and before this episode we were kind of discussing what's the difference between grief and disappointment I think Reed he made a great point and so Reed just to intro the topic of grief how would you say it differs from disappointment yeah I'd say grief is uh when you have something that uh, it has a history in your life and a future almost. And so it's something like a relationship that has a history of you spent time with someone. There's a history there. And then there's also even the hope of a future. And grief is feeling like you lost both of those. Mm-hmm. Like you lost the history of the memories and times like that. And then you also lost uh, the potential future. And then I'd say disappointment is losing something that you were going to have or, or thought you had. So you didn't necessarily have it yet, mm-hmm. um, but something that you wanted. And so the difference would be, I would say quickly was uh, grief is losing something that you had uh, and disappointment is losing something that you wanted. Mm-hmm. So you can be grieving and disappointed, right? At mm-hmm. the same time, sometimes. Yeah. And I think grieving, I would say it doesn't always look like losing a loved one, although that's often what we think of. It could be you tore your ACL and your entire athletic career is over. It could look like you were in a relationship and that relationship ended or your parents got a divorce. I think grief uh, can can mean a lot of things. Um, and so, yeah, Ali, I'm excited that you chose this topic. And I think uh, every student at some point, probably before they even get to college, will experience grief in, in some way. Yeah. um, The fact of the matter is we do live in a broken world. So every person probably will walk through grief. Allie, how would you say high school students typically deal with grief? I feel like in this day and like age, it's very easy to be like everyone to say like their life is perfect and everything looks fine on the outside, but on the inside, you can just be struggling so much. And so I feel like it's very easy for us as high school students to just push feelings down and push others away almost. Like for me, it's very easy to just not want to deal with it and shove it all down and just have it done almost in a way. And then pushing others away is something I feel like we can all struggle with and just not wanting to be around anyone and not wanting to have to talk about it around community or friends or family. So, yeah. Yeah, not feeling the freedom to feel and process your emotions and then also 
let other people in on that, I would say is something that most people, not just high school students, deal with um, and that we do need to have the freedom um, to feel those emotions and walk through it. Yeah, Allie, I, I relate with you. I think for me this summer, I lost my grandmother back in June. Um, and during the summer, I was working at camp in Canica uh, down in Branson. And uh, for me, there was a big temptation just to kind of get it together in my life and uh, keep working and, and not talk about it or not bring it up to anybody, but it was kind of shoving it down and, and just not letting myself feel those emotions. And so, uh, Hannah, I like what you said uh, when we were talking about it earlier, but you just talked about giving, uh, not giving grief a timeline and allowing yourself to feel those emotions, allowing yourself to talk about those emotions. But when you don't let yourself feel it first, it's hard to talk about it. Um, because those feelings keep coming up when you have those conversations. And if you haven't allowed yourself just to be sad about it uh, for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I want to ask both of you a question, Reed and Allie, because um, we'll get to the second, but you also lost your grandmother, which is uh, what we're talking about. And, and so did you, Reed, recently. But when dealing with grief, what I'm hearing you guys say is that, like, hey, you need to allow yourself to be sad about it. And in high school specifically, it's tempting just to put on a facade and to push friends away and just, uh, you know, to continue to go through life, which for to some degree, life doesn't stop for us whenever we're grieving, right? Like school is still happening. Classes are still going on. Homework is still being given to you. Like you still have to do that. And then Read for you too, you know, as an adult, if you're grieving, work is still going on. Like you said, you were a director at, at camp and you still have to do your job. And so how do you balance that where it's like, hey, allow yourself to be sad, allow yourself to, to be open and vulnerable to your students and peers. But also the reality is, is like, hey, uh, I, while I'm grieving, I still need to get the things that need to be done, done. Is that kind of the tension that you'd say you wrestled with, Allie? Yeah, no, for sure. Because for me, my grandma passed away in September. Mm -hmm. And so school was like just now like getting, I was getting, getting into started, the swing yeah. of things. And then I felt like my whole rhythm was just broken off. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard to get back in to school and want to like do things like my motivation for stuff was just gone. I was mm -hmm. like, what's the point in doing this? Yeah. So did you say, would you say you almost like had to flip a switch between like grieving alley and like then school alley like getting stuff done yes no for sure like at home I would just feel so much grief and just want to be in my like have those emotions and then at school I feel like I had to like flip that off and be like okay it's time to focus in mm -hmm. I still have to learn still have to do all my work and stuff yeah. so yeah Reed how about what was your experience with that yeah I think it like emotionally it was a huge interruption in my life and uh thankfully I had some people around me Connor Wilkins and Matt Houston's were my co-workers and they just told me like hey man like you need to go to Dallas my grandma was in Dallas I was in Branson Missouri and they just said you need to get out of here and and go to Dallas and we'll cover everything that you got going on here and so I had men in my life that were able to kind of take on my responsibilities in the job. And that was something that for me was super freeing and one of the kindest things that they could have done for me. Um, Cause it was tough to feel like I needed to do both at the same time and, and do my job, but also grieve my grandmother. And um, it was, it like kind of put me in a standstill in both. And so I wasn't doing my job well and I didn't feel like I was grieving my grandmother well. Um, it was just in this like almost head emotional battle and really wasn't doing either one 
well. And so them kind of giving me the freedom to to kind of let down uh, the guard on my responsibilities and roles and just be just in those emotions and feel that and then go home and grieve with my family and then coming back after that, getting to jump into my job again, um, kind of having gone through that process, was able to encourage others um, and got to do a talk at camp right after coming back uh, from Dallas from the funeral and, and just got to encourage others with the life of my grandmother and, and the Lord used that in some really cool ways. And so, mm. yeah, that's what I'd say. I think that is so great. And so helpful just hearing both of your experiences and looking back because both of you have been removed for for a little while since maybe that grieving that initial grieving period um so looking back you know going back a year ago ali or reed going back to this past summer is there maybe would you give any advice to your former self on how to grieve and specifically go into that kind of like, man, I feel like I had to flip a grieving switch on and then a work switch on or a school switch on and how you're going back and forth to, man, I can grieve when I'm at home and then when I'm at school, I need to be a different person. Would you would you say that that has to be the case? Does that question make sense? No, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking when you said that. I, I My advice would, to give myself would be that there are no rules to grieving. I felt like there was a specific way that I had to feel or think about or how much I had to cry or if I was supposed to cry. And I felt like there were rules to grieving that I had to either show myself or show others. And that's what I would say is like, there's no rules to how you feel that kind of stuff. And, and so allowing yourself just to have the freedom to, um, have those feelings, but not to sit in them. And so to, I mean, it's, it's a sad feeling and it's a hurt and it's a real pain mm-hmm. and to ignore that or try to deny that is, is going to hurt you even more. And so allow yourself one to, to experience that. And then the other thing I would say is to, uh, is to bring other people in uh, for me, like I had to be alone because I didn't like crying in front of other people. And so I had to do that by myself. And then I, I brought other people in and just said, Hey man, uh, this is just what I experienced. And so it's hard for me to talk about it without first going through that emotion. And so mm-hmm. as you experience those feelings and stuff like that, one, to know the real, and then two, to, to bring other people in. Um, it doesn't have to be right away, but there's no rules to, I have to grieve this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Allie, if you have anything to add. I agree with you. Like I definitely, in the beginning, I did not surround myself with friends at all. Like sure, I had my family, but like friends wise, I was like, they don't need to see this like emotional side of me. I just need to act like I always have and act normal. And why do, you, why do you think that, because I think that's true for a lot of people, not just students, is kind of pushing other people back. Why do you think that is our initial reaction? I feel like it's just hard to like, come to people with that like pain you're feeling and have them see you like in your vulnerable side at least for me I don't like showing my vulnerable side to Mm -hmm. people and so just like having to share that emotion with them I almost felt like they wouldn't understand in a way Mm -hmm. which they probably would have but yeah yeah. (laughs) just like yeah my brain was saying oh they're not gonna understand they've never Mm -hmm. gone through that so why talk to them about it but in reality like sharing that with community is like the best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved what both of y'all said about um, allowing yourselves to feel the pain. 
and sitting in it, I think it's quick for um, even myself to jump past the pain and be like, oh, but God is good. So I'm okay. And that's like my excuse for stuffing it down. Um, I grief in grief is not something that um, is foreign to me and something that I have gotten to walk through in many circumstances um, relating to my family. It just doesn't look like God's intended design, which creates um, a lot of pain and sadness in my life. Um, and it's something that I've had to just lay before the Lord and be like, okay, how do I sit in the in-between of God is good, but there's pain and sorrow in this life. And as I just dove into scriptures and studied that, I would say the idea of lament um, is something that the Lord used to show me that I don't have to jump to he is good. Yes, he is good. Um, but there is a lot in between the pain and his goodness and lamenting and crying out to God. And wrestling with those emotions um, is the paradox of how we live in a world full of pain, but still run towards the promise of God's goodness. I think that's a great example of why God has given us community to live in. Of There's grief that's is kind of, there's a one moment that happens. And then there's ongoing grief of there's a situation in a, like, like your example of, of your family and your parents of, it's ongoing and it's not like something that's, you know, you deal with it for a little bit and then you continue to mm-hmm. kind of have that memory, but it's something that continues to be a reminder and you're, it's a real thing in your life. And so again, like that, allowing community to be in your life and bear that burden with you and, and having other people even just know about it sometimes I feel like helps. Yeah, it absolutely does. It truly is allowing others to pick up the weight of that with me um, and remind me of truth and also just sit in the hard. And I think it can be easy to, when you're walking with friends in grief, to be like, I have to say something so profound right now. But truly it is just their presence and their willingness to sit in the pain with you and walk with you as that ebbs and flows. Yeah, Allie, so we talked about your kind of your experience with grief and and school and just with friends, but how did your relationship with the the Lord play out during that time of grief? I feel like towards the beginning, it was very easy for me to just constantly ask him why and almost blame him in a way, mm-hmm. just because I was like, it happened so soon and so fast that I was like, well, I didn't, why didn't you give me enough time to say goodbye? Why did it have to happen now? Why did it have to happen to me? Like just so many why questions almost. And just sitting in that was just not, good for me because yes it's good to ask why but I also needed to learn like that even though that happened God was still good and then moving on like past the funeral and all that stuff I just learned to like sit in verses different verses of what God was my goodness (laughs) sit in different verses of what God was actually felt towards me and how he cares about me in the midst of that pain and he welcomes that frustration and pain. Yeah. And so what, what verses? Um, I really sat in Psalms 34, 18, which basically is the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and mm-hmm. saves those who are crushed in spirit. Yeah. And so just that constant reminder that like he's close to me, even when I really can't feel it or see it. Mm-hmm. And then I loved second Corinthians one through through four. And then God's comfort brought to us, helps us bring comfort to others. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the comfort he gave me after my grandma passing, I was able to like give to my brothers or my mom or my dad. And mm-hmm. just like we can all comfort each other yeah. through the midst of that grief. 
Okay, yeah, Ali, that was so good. And then, yeah, again, another question for both Reed and Ali. Is there, there's a verse in Thessalonians. It's Thessalonians 4.13 that says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And so just the context of this verse, someone just passed away and the author is just saying, hey, we, we don't want you to grieve as those who do not have hope. And so he's not saying don't grieve, but the way we grieve should be different than those who are unbelieving. Mm-hmm. How how did this play out for you guys as you grieved? Yeah, I think that's one, it's ironic you'd use that verse. That was one of the verses that my grandmother asked to be shared at her funeral. Mm. Um, she had cancer and so she kind of knew... Um, uh, this was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that she kind of did in the last part of her life was encourage others just with her life. And at the funeral had a very specific things that she wanted said. And um, one of the things that she said is she did not want her funeral to be about her, um, which was just a testament to her character and her love for the Lord. But she wanted it to be about Christ. And in this, in that verse, it just, it says, you know, uh, we don't grieve as others do who have no hope. In the next verse in 14, it says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And it's it's just a testament to that this is not the end. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is not the end of, of God's plan for our life. This is not the end of God's eternal plan. Uh, and and that Christ has solved our biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Um and that we have hope uh, beyond the grave because of the person of Jesus. And so it, it was a testament for uh, it, for her life of what she believed and how she knew that her death was not the end and that there's hope in Christ. Um, and we don't need to get into the theology, but there's a different hope that we get to walk with um, knowing Jesus. And mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a peace in that, that even though the things around us feel like they're shaking or, uh, or or falling away or we're losing stuff in this world, that there's a hope that's beyond this world. And yeah. I think that that gives a ton of comfort, like Ali said earlier, and it, it brings a lot of peace in our lives. Yeah. Would you add anything to that, Ellie? No, I think you covered it all. That was so good. <laughs> yeah, let's go, Reed. So good. Um, Reed, I loved what you said there because you just um, pointed out the fact that grieving with hope is having a place to take the pain and the grief, and that is to God. Um, and you get to walk that out with him and bring it all before him. And that's something we see all throughout Scripture is God's people in pain and walking through suffering and getting to bring it to the Lord um, and lamenting. And I've used that word a couple of times now, so I'll define it. Lament is a prayer and a statement of faith. So when you grieve, you get to walk out um, what you've put your faith in. Um, and it's an honest cry of pain to God. Um, and how we see that play out in scriptures is kind of the same process over and over again. Um, and I just want to point out that the Lord um, cares a ton about our pain, um, so much so that it's all throughout Scripture. There's a whole book of Lamentations, and then a third of the Psalms are lament psalms. It is um, his children crying out to him in pain um, and grief and sorrow. And Jesus himself was a man that was acquainted with sorrow and grief. So he cares about it and wants to walk with us in it and how that kind of looks like walking with the Lord in grief is first turning to him in it. Um, and bringing it to him in prayer. And then we get to um, 
complain, but not in the sense of our sinful complaints. It's kind of what Ali said earlier of like, I asked why a lot and asked the Lord why this would happen. Um, and that's not wrong. Like he gives us freedom to wrestle with that. And we get to complain to him in the sense of clearly and bluntly bringing um, the sorrow behind our reasons to him. And we see that um, in the story of Job as Job lays out his pain um, all before the Lord. And it says he did this all without sin. Um, and then we get to ask God um, to do something about the pain. Um, and then we get to turn to him and trust um, his promises that he is true to his word. He's a God that doesn't change um, when he says he cares and draws sneers. He does. And so we get to rest in that and wait for him to work um, and watch him work and watch him bring all things, um, work out all things to his glory and for our good. I love that. Uh, Ali, maybe just a couple more questions uh, for you. How did your, we touched on this a little bit, but specifically, how did your relationship with, with God grow through this? And then how did, where did you, how did you find trust in him? Or did your trust in him grow through this process of yeah, grieving? I would say, yeah, my trust with him definitely grew. Just seeing how he can move through me even in a difficult time because of me growing closer to him and mm -hmm. spending more time in his word and praying to him more just because of that difficult situation and just seeing all the different verses about how trustworthy he is and how much trust we can put in him. I love that. I, I think of I think Charles Spurgeon some old old guy wrote wrote a line that wouldn't something like this that said, "If you can't trace his hand, trust his heart." Um, talking about God, obviously, and and I just love that so much. I know we've talked about grieving can look like a lot of different things, and in the midst of it, you start asking yourself those questions of like, "Why God? Why did this happen?" And you can't always see the way God's hand is working. And then people say stuff like, "Don't worry, like." it'll all be okay. It'll all work out. Like God has a plan. You just can't see it right now. You know, those cliche stuff that people are always saying that is so annoying when you're grieving. And in the midst of that, you cannot see how his hand is working. All you can see is your grief. And I think that God in that moment, he uses grief as his megaphone just to arouse our hearts and to cause our hearts just to lean in him more and to draw near to him. And in my life, the, the seasons of grief that I've had, I wouldn't trade them away for, for anything. Obviously, they have been disappoint, so disappointing and so hard. And I would love to have some loved ones back or some cherished memories back. But the joy the, that I have found um, in those moments and the relationship and the sweetness of my relationship with God during those seasons, I wouldn't trade them for anything. Um, so... Just to close our podcast, Ali, is there any final words of encouragement you would give to think of your former self that you'd give to your former self when grieving or another student who may be experiencing grief right now? Yeah, I feel like going like talking to my younger self, I would definitely remind myself that like God still cares about me in the midst of my pain, even when it doesn't feel like it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for a ton of us, it's very hard to remember that in a way. But I, that's what I would remind myself. And then also reminding myself not to push others away mm. and to surround myself with community and friends and family and let them see that vulnerable side of me because mm. I did not share that whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's good. Yeah. That's so good. Um, I would just add that, um, 
promises don't end the pain, but they do give us purpose in the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a pathway to Christ and intimacy and depth of relation with him as we get to lean in and trust that he is steadfast in love and that his cares and his mercies don't end. Um, in Lamentations 3, we see him say they're new every morning and we get to praise his faithfulness and, and we get to lean into that. Read any final thoughts? Oh, no, that was That's good. It. Yeah. <laughs> Man, well, I think as oh. as we close, there's a verse that, that I love and I was reading this morning was just Psalm 30, verse 5, which says, His anger, this is God, His anger is but for a moment and His favor for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And I don't think this verse is obviously literal that we cry at night and then when the sun rises, we're all of a sudden happy. But I think what this verse is saying is that there are seasons to life and there are seasons of grief and God is near to you in those. He loves you amidst those and he sees you amidst those and he promises, he promises that there will be joy and that there will be a season of joy that uh, will be coming. And does that mean life will be perfect and better? Not necessarily, but uh, he does promise that uh, weeping tarries at night, but joy comes in the morning. Um, and so guys, Ali, thank you so much, uh, for coming on and talking about this. Of course. We loved having you. And, and again, uh, if you have a topic suggestion, feel free to DM us at Shoreline Dallas. If there's anything that you want us to talk about. Um, and then also as we started the podcast, feel free to leave a review to like this and share it to someone uh, that you maybe think maybe encouraged by it. But other than that, guys, thank you for another great episode. Thank you for joining us and, uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>